Welcome to the APL Next Ed Minipod, where for a few minutes each week, academic leaders share insights and perspectives on the most important issues and opportunities facing academic teams. Learn how other schools are managing and strategizing for success as your host, CEO and founder of APL Next Ed, Kathleen Gibson, gathers and connects practical seeds of knowledge and experience from her guests. Welcome to APL Next Ed Minipod. We're delighted that you're with us today. We have a special guest today from Baker College, just north of me in Michigan. Dr. Jill Langan is going to talk with us again about issues facing higher education academic leadership. And particularly, we're going to be focused on that topic that we've been talking about for the last few weeks that came out of the Inside Higher Education Provost study around faculty feeling a disconnection with administration and with staff. And so we're going to focus on that question. But before we do that, let's say hello to Jill and hear a little bit about the important work that Jill is doing at Baker College. So Dr. Langan is currently the provost at Baker College. She has 25 years of higher education experience. She joined Baker College in 1999, so has seen that school uh, through a lot of transition and growth, uh, which I'm sure we'll, we'll hear a lot about as we have, as we have a chance to have a conversation. Uh, she has been a faculty member, department chair for marketing and HR, the dean of the MBA program, the chief academic officer for Baker Online, president of for Baker Online and Baker College of Graduate Studies. In her current role as provost, she is responsible for providing leadership, strategic direction, and administrative oversight for all campus departments, including academic admissions, business and financial affairs, and career services. So we're just delighted to have you with us today, Jill. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, this, uh, to our time together this morning, particularly given the importance of the topic. Well, thank you and welcome again. So we'll dive right in as these are mini pods and, and we like to focus on one sort of key central issue and get perspective from those doing the most innovative innovative and creative things uh, related to, to these pressing issues. Uh, we're going to focus a little bit, as I mentioned, on the Inside Higher Ed 2021 uh, CAO survey, which incidentally reported that only 18% of faculty feel very connected to and supported by their administration. Uh, this may be a, a result of the last 16 to 18 months and, and COVID, but it also I think is representative of a, a, a long time sort of disconnect or maybe even distrust if I may, that is common between and among uh, administrators and leadership at higher education institutions and their faculty. And so what we really wanna talk about today is how you've had success and what are some of the things that you've done as provost at Baker College to build connections, to build bridges, to close those gaps and to sort of bring your faculty into connection and collaboration with the administration and the staff. First of all, I think that the fact that there's a survey that's talking about this and assessing this is, is key. And, and that's probably the first step. It's important for institutions to assess how their faculty are feeling and whether you're using an employee satisfaction survey. We recently deployed, we do it every two years, the Ruffalo Noah Levitz employee satisfaction survey. And not only can we look at that holistically, but we can also break it down by campus location or position or faculty. So we can assess that and identify if there are some gaps. So I think if it's important, you should assess it. So the good news is our survey information came back very positive. And, and so our faculty do feel engaged. 
but I will say that there is always a need to continue to improve upon that and look for ways. I think we have an institutional core value that recognizes that faculty at Baker College are Baker College. You know, they're the, they're mm-hmm. the person that our, our students are acting with most closely. They're the person that that student relies on. And so I think that basic understanding is important, but we've worked really hard to support faculty. So for example, in that study that you referenced, there was a lot of institutions that said, hey, we, we offer professional development, but very often it's in regards to teaching and learning. And we do the right. same thing, right? We have a center for teaching excellence and we have lots of PD, but we recognize that faculty you know, they're, they're a person outside of that role. So we make sure we, we offer professional development that will support the whole person. So we have diversity, equity, and inclusion, professional development training opportunities, stress release. We have a newsletter and options for people to, you know, how to be healthier, how to cook healthier, how to, you know, video workouts. So we really try to offer resources Mm -hmm. that support the whole person. And then we, we track that participation to make sure that what we're offering is what people need and what they're looking for. So I think providing that, that training PD support is important. And the other is supporting their professional growth. We commit um, significant resources to providing professional development opportunities outside of Baker College. So whether someone wants to take a couple of courses to to brush up on something, or they want to earn the next degree, we are extremely supportive of of that and and think that that's part of what we should do. And that applies to all faculty, full-time people that are teaching and administration or adjunct faculty. You know, our students really don't care that they're full-time or Mm part-time. So we want to support all of our faculty. That is really neat. I'm I'm really impressed by the fact that you are offering programming and support to faculty as people, right? And and you're really one of the first, provost, one of the first schools that I've heard talk about uh, being intentional about this. I mean, I think as a result of COVID, there were a, a lot of schools who put things together uh, recognizing that the faculty were sort of our frontline workers, if you will, and, you know, we're in the trenches. And as I've mentioned in a couple of other podcasts, you know, really having to deal personally and professionally with, w- with the pandemic, but also absorbing all of the pain and all of the stress and anxiety of their students. And, and meanwhile, having to really adjust their pedagogy, their andragogy in many cases. And so, you know, it had to be a tremendously stressful an impactful time for faculty and the fact that you had been ahead of the curve and had in place programming to, to really address those kinds of things, I'm sure was tremendously valuable to your faculty and, and such a great idea for our listeners that we are in this new era and, you know, we do have to recognize that every one of us is, uh, you know, dealing with a very complex and complicated world and anything that our employers can do to uh, support us uh, to be healthy and to manage stress is ideal and I think bodes well for not only the individual, but ultimately for the institution and ultimately for the students who are in the receiving end of, of some of the benefits that come out of that sort of programming. So, you know, great, great work and kudos on, on, on the work you're doing there. Yeah, it was really interesting. We, we, along with our Ruffalo and Noel Levitt's employee satisfaction survey, we also had just deployed our student satisfaction survey. And, and it's a pretty scary time to deploy that survey, mm-hmm. right? Because we're doing that as, <laughs> as we wrap up a pandemic and, and our results were extremely positive, but many of the qualitative comments were from students about their faculty and how they helped them 
again, as a person, not just a student during mm -hmm. these really challenging times. And so you can see the effect of that. If we can support our faculty mm -hmm. as a person and recognize the flexibility support resources they need, that then feeds down to the students. So we, we were so proud of our faculty, but, but recognize we need to do that even, even outside of the pandemic situation. Yeah. I, it's so refreshing and exciting to me. The reignited focus on faculty. And I don't know if it's simply a consequence of COVID or if it was coming, but I think for a long time, a lot of us, uh, a lot of institutions, a lot of administrators sort of got busied up doing things outside of supporting faculty and, and, and seeing faculty as, as you mentioned, Baker College does is really one and the same with the institution and the mission of the institution. I mean, the true deliverers of the product, if you will, of, of education. And, and so I'm, I'm excited that there is this rekindled focus. And I think it's going to be great for faculty and great for students and great for institutions that recognize that this is important. I mean, certainly I think retaining great faculty is going to be more important than ever as higher education becomes more competitive, as there are more choices. And we all know that it's an individual, a faculty who really makes the difference. I mean, when we look at the data, there was an interesting report that came out related to employment training and employment education in the context of, of an employment situation. And that survey responders said that they derived so much more from the course when it when they had an instructor. So, you know, just sort of throwing content at somebody and saying, you know, oh, good luck, you know, let's see if we can move the needle. We all know as educators that it's that person who inspires, who invites us into a conversation in our field, in our discipline, who, who, who raises the bar, who challenges us, who teaches and models things for us that makes all the difference in between that sort of uh, experience and, you know, reading something online. And so it's really exciting what you all are doing to support faculty. Are there other, uh, other things that come to mind as you think about being intentional about, about recognizing the importance um, and doing it because it's the right thing to do, but also doing it because it's good for the institution? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you you touched on a couple of critical points, you know, as a provost or an academic leader, regardless of your role, there are so many competing priorities, right? So, so there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of, you know, high priority items. So it is extremely helpful for us as an organization that our CEO prioritizes it, right? So whenever there's a question, it's faculty and students first, right? Mm -hmm. That helps us prioritize. And then it helps us work with the folks that report to us to prioritize appropriately. Mm -hmm. so, so that institutional focus to say, I know there's a lot, but you always have to put that first helps. Um, a couple of other things I, I did mention that we have in the PD, but really supporting scholarships. I think one of my proudest moments was we, we were in an accreditation visit um, for a program and we were running through the amount of money that, that we had in our budget allocated for people to go back and earn their degrees. And one of the accreditors leaned over and joked and said, how do I get a job here? And, and, and that to me was, was a really proud moment when, mm -hmm. when an accreditor really respects and can see that. So, so I think helping people grow and further their own education is important. And the other thing we've, we've done um, over the past few years is institute a faculty rank system, which I know is not new to many institutions, but for um, very often private nonprofit institutions, that's not part of that 
but then we prioritize the teaching aspect within that ranking system, as opposed to it being one of many. And, and we do look at scholarship and service and all those things, but that is the core. And so having that opportunity for folks who spend lots and lots of time and energy and, and commitment to the teaching aspect for them to be able to be rewarded is important. I was just going to ask about that. So um, you are a unique school in that you are private, you're nonprofit, but you're, you serve a lot of adult learners. You do a lot of professional programming online. You have online delivery. You kind of were ahead of the curve on that. And you are an institution that really focuses on teaching. And I was going to ask the question, what advantage do you think you have as an institution because you are rewarding and promoting and building up faculty really in one, you know, one predominant area, which is teaching, you know, rather than spreading faculty thinly between scholarship, service, and teaching? Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the benefit is, is for the students mostly, mm-hmm. right? Because, because again, you know, if you assess something and say it's important, that's what becomes important. And, and so if you're giving lip service and saying, well, teaching is important, but this is what I'm going to measure. Mm-hmm. There's a conflict there. There's dissonance. And so the fact that we continually share the message that teaching is important and we provide professional development and we have all kinds of academic geeky conversations about how, how we can teach and how we can reach students and then valuing that by providing that scholarship and support and training if people want to go on and recognizing that rank, I think is really important. And we do give, again, faculty, it doesn't matter if they're full-time or part-time. We, we want to encourage them to come in. You want to help write a course. You want to help develop curriculum. Please do that. You want to be involved in a student club. Great. We want you on board. There's no, there's no secret club or title or role that says you have to do this before you can get involved in these things. Mm -hmm. Um, the more opportunities we can provide for faculty to steer what happens in their program and to interact with students, the more successful our students are going to be and the more successful we're going to be. Yeah. I mean, this commitment I think is evident and you've got very specific things to point to. And, you know, it strikes me that so many schools say, yeah, we're a teaching institution, but you know, you can say that, but what do you, what can you point to? What can you show? And so, you know, ultimately I think you show student satisfaction and, you know, that's what sort of makes an institution sustainable and, and, uh, that word of mouth that comes as students are researching where they're going to study and matriculating, you know, is, is invaluable, particularly in the time and place that we live right now. Yeah. But I think even to your point, being able to go to accreditors, being able to go to prospective students, being able to go to prospective faculty and say, yeah, we're a teaching institution. And let me tell you what we're doing. Let me tell you the specific things that we're doing that make us, you know, a teaching institution. I think though we are probably moving to something that is uh, a less data-driven economy and society in some ways, we're starting to appreciate narrative and story and, and, and subjective sorts of data. I think there people still depend on and want that objective sort of data. And so pointing to hours of professional development and study of andragogy and pedagogy, and even the hours and the time that faculty have to refresh and to regroup and to take care of their, you know, take care of their own personal health and personal needs, I think is, is, is a really significant way in which 
uh, schools like Baker College can can distinguish themselves. And I think one other thing that we've done that was a shift for us is I think most schools have some type of Center for Teaching Excellence department, and we have four full-time faculty developers, and their role is to coach faculty, mentor faculty, but we have a really good process where we onboard people, not just about the technology, whether you're going to be teaching on ground and you're using some cool augmented reality tool, or you're teaching online and you need to really become a whiz at the LMS, or you're teaching online live and and you need to really be good at facilitating during a Zoom meeting. There's that piece, but having those developers who it's not a formal evaluation, I'm not going to come in and rate you, but I'm going to talk about our target. And I'm a separate person who's a resource for you. And Mm -hmm. I'm your coach, I think moves it from a motivating, how to, can you help me get better? Let's talk about this to the situation where it's like, I've got to meet a certain score. I'm not going to get another section. And that's been, I think a really important shift for us. And my hats to, to our faculty developers who support our faculty every day. And during, of course, the pandemic, that was, that was a big job. I'm sure they were leaned on heavily. They were. It's really innovative and cool that you have an understanding that that personal touch, that personal resource, that coach is vital. I, you know, I came out of higher education into higher education out of another career and, and, you know, thankfully had a peer group because of a cohort I was teaching in, in a particular program, but I would have been lost without having a mentor and a peer and a coach. And, you know, as we're seeing a lot of adjuncts who Uh, who are coming out of professional positions and who have a lot to offer students on the application and the practical skills associated with a course of study or a program or discipline. I think recognizing the value of those faculty, but also, you know, providing some sort of help and coaching and mentoring for them that isn't the brown bag lunch on campus because they're not there, right? They're doing, you know, they're doing the work in their field or, or even the, you know, the programming on Saturday morning on campus, which was kind of how I grew up with teaching and learning resource centers. I think having um, ways to reach faculty that are meaningful and personal are going to make all the difference. And again, that difference really trickles, trickles down to the student. Yep, absolutely. You know, there's some folks who are on campus and that lunch is a great opportunity and there are others who want to join at night, but there's others that say, you know, I would love to listen to that or watch that while I'm riding my bike and getting a little bit of exercise in. And then there's that additional piece that says, but my questions are unique to me. Do I have availability and access to someone who can answer my specific questions? So you do have to have a wealth of resources that meet people where they're at. That's right. That's right. That's really exciting. So, so it sounds like you all have a great culture. There's great connection and collaboration between and among the administrators and the faculty. What sorts of ways do you bring faculty into understanding the mission, the decisions of the administration? I mean, I think even offering programming and coaching and, and having a, a culture that appreciates faculty is, is great. I think part of the, you know, part of the challenge for many people like yourself in provost positions is, you know, how do I bring that adjunct who's teaching twice a year? How do I help that person understand our institutional goals, where we're, where we're trying to get in terms of our mission, in terms of our vision? How do you, how do you bring that to that faculty, uh, particularly the adjuncts, but maybe even, you know, busy 
full-time faculty who are, you know, they're, they're staying up in their field and they're teaching and they have their own personal lives and so forth. Um, how, how do you keep them connected to and bought in to the mission and vision that's being set at the administrative level? That's a great question. And while that's always been important, I think given the number of changes and disruption in higher education, it is absolutely critical right now because we have to change how we do things. We have to change our physical footprints. There's so much evolution going on and people have to understand where are we going and why are we doing this? So we've kind of used a two-pronged approach. One is very direct and you bring up an excellent point. All of our faculty are busy, but particular adjuncts who, who might not live in the state where they're teaching online. So not last year because of the pandemic, but we have a long history of having an annual faculty conference every year. We invite adjuncts and full-time faculty. We, we pay to fly them in. We put them up for three days. We uh, hold an internal a conference so they can learn from their peers. And we do that right at the time of graduation so that they also get to attend oh, graduation and meet their students that they've, you know, maybe on campus they've met, but our online folks haven't been able to. We feed them like crazy. Yeah. But we also get to spend just time with them. So we make sure in addition to the conference, we have meet and greets and we have a dinner so that we can just spend time building those relationships so that there's a sense of trust there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think is an important piece. And then the, the other angle is, is I think we have to be consistent in that message. So if I'm meeting with deans, I need to be consistent with their message and be very transparent and then hold them accountable to say, now, when you meet with your teams, mm-hmm. you need to share the same information we do a lot of creating presentations and then giving it to people to make sure that they can use the same message so that That's that great. transparency and all that information is coming through. You know, we don't really have a presentation. Well, this is for the deans because they can know this, but the program mm-hmm. directors can only know this and the faculty can only know it's a presentation and, and we, we want people to be aware of that data. So that, that kind of um, consistent communication pattern, I hope helps with that. I think there are still ways to Im- improve. We have done at various times some kind of town hall events. We're planning another one next year where um, our CEO and our chief operating officer and myself and some others will be visiting each campus and all staff, full-time adjunct faculty are invited. And then we have a social event as part of that as well. So again, you just have time to, to hear what people think. Mm-hmm. And someone might be really comfortable in sharing that in a town hall, but someone else might not. But, but maybe afterwards over dinner, they'll bend your ear a little bit and tell you. So mm-hmm. I think a commitment to really aggressively listening and seeking out opportunities to communicate are, are important. Mm-hmm. That's that I think a couple of insightful comments that you made. I mean, one is bringing everybody together. I think there's, you know, something particularly now as all of us have experienced remote work over the last 18 months, it can be you know, isolating. It can be hard to, Mm -hmm. to feel a connection to, it can be hard to be even inspired by the mission and the vision when you're, you're not sort of having that reinforced with your peers and you're not, you know, sort of seeing with your eyes and, and, you know, feeling with your hands, the tangible results of, of the work you're doing. So it's brilliant that you're bringing them all together and then bringing them all together at a time when they can see the fruits of their work culminating in graduation of students. And so, you know, these have all been really practical, really good ideas uh, that you've shared that I think will help a lot of institutions and provosts and academic leadership think about new ways to build those bridges, to build that connection. 
my last question really centers around your credentials and, and, and the skills you bring to the job of provost and how those might have uniquely qualified you or do uniquely qualify you to sort of be have these sort of front and center as your as your priorities and your role. I mean, I'm just wondering, uh, as someone who uh, who has done marketing and HR, how how that informed how you've approached your position as provost and and how it has perhaps impacted uh, some of the priorities. Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. And, and this is just my, my perspective, but I've had wonderful mentors who have helped me learn how to be a better administrator, mm-hmm. um, to, whether it's time management or budgets or, but at the core, I always share with people the favorite job, my most favorite job I've ever had has been as a faculty member and to the core. In fact, my Dean of our school of nursing always teases me and she says, you know, it's a, you're a faculty member, right? Mm-hmm. That That's, that's my love. And I think when you look at growing people and providing people opportunities, you need to really value that and say, if this person is a really good instructor, we can help them be a good administrator and we can help them be a better instructor, but that's their core. And we recently just announced a, a new Dean at our college and he was pretty choked up because his current role or his role as of uh, two weeks ago, he was an adjunct faculty member. Mm-hmm. And he moved directly up to a dean position because of the priority we place on teaching and learning. He happens to also be great at writing curriculum and some other things. Mm-hmm. But I think as an institution, if you can identify those people who have a passion for teaching, mm-hmm. you can't go wrong mm-hmm. um, by building that. So for me, that's probably my most important qualification is the years I spent in the classroom as an adjunct faculty member, which mm-hmm. was you know, probably almost 15 years in that role. Yeah. I started as an adjunct too. And I think the interesting thing about those of us who came from a professional context into teaching and found ourselves in higher education, I always say that that was the, my first year of teaching was the hardest, you know, and I was second chair on a murder trial, you know, pregnant with my second child. I'm like, my first year of teaching was harder than that, you know? And it was, it was one of those things that I had a love hate relationship with it. Like I felt so invigorated and so used and so inspired by the opportunity to teach that first year. But I also was like, I don't know how good I am at this. And so, you know, and it was, you know, building a new course and, you know, all the work that goes into teaching a course for the first time and and teaching for the first time. And so I had very gracious students, um, but I decided to sort of not, not make a decision about whether I was going to continue this until I completed the first year. And by the end of the year, I discovered what most very effective faculty discover, which is learn everything you can about teaching and then be yourself. Right. And so I, I, by the end of, of my first year, I, I thought this is, this is the coolest work. And I'm so fortunate to have the opportunity to do this. And so I think, as you suggested, this um, idea of having been a, a, an instructor, having been a, you, you know, how important it is, and you know, the challenges you've been in those shoes, the, the benefit of you having been in those shoes is being, is being reaped by your faculty now who, who have someone leading in the administration who, who really has their, has their perspective, has their, you know, understands their challenges, understands their opportunities, understands their time constraints and and their needs. And so I think that's, that's incredibly important and they must be, you know, very inspired and, 
and, and feel fortunate like we did uh, to, to have uh, an institution that's so focused on, on teaching and learning and faculty. Yeah, I, I hope so. You, you know, I, there's always room to grow and I can do better, but um, you know, I don't think, I, I hope no one questions the value that either I place or institution in our leadership places on, on the teaching and learning aspect, because that's, that's who we are. That's why we're here. Yeah. Well, this has been just fantastic. As I said, so many rich suggestions, very practical sorts of ways in so many institutions, they've gotten sort of the other pieces, right? The scholarship and the service, but this, this again, reignited sort of focus on teaching and learning and faculty, you know, is an area where I think many schools will benefit. Many le- uh, leaders will benefit from hearing your very practical suggestions. So we thank you and appreciate you you sharing those today. There are more suggestions and more of Dr. Jill Langan's bio available in the show notes that you can find. I hope that you will share this podcast and share these insights that Dr. Langan uh, Jill has shared with us today with your peers and colleagues. And again, we're grateful for your time today, grateful for the terrific work you're doing at Baker College along with your team. And uh, keep keep looking out for our students. They're they're our future and uh, they are uh, the folks on whom our economy and our security and our democracy really rest. And so we have important work to do in higher education. And, you know, I thank you and applaud you for the great work you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, great. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to today's guest and thank you to you, our listeners. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. We hope the APL Next Ed Minipod is a helpful resource to you and your teams. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your colleagues. The APL Next Ed Minipod is brought to you by APL Next Ed, the leading academic operations platform helping academic teams connect and collaborate in one place. To learn more about how APL NextEd is helping schools streamline academic operations, visit aplnexted.com.